0: $2 late fee. You have one new message. Hey, this is Jeff Canu. Uh, you may remember I directed Revenge of the Nerds and Troop Beverly Hills and some other stuff. Uh, I'm trying to reach Dustin and Zach because uh, I, I, they had me on
1: their podcast, but it hasn't played anywhere yet. And I'm just wondering, like, was it no good or what? Before there was IMDb.com, There was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but. It's a metaphor for life, man.
0: Fun fact, if you ask uh, Alexa or Google Play to play one foot in front of the other, you'll most likely get the song from the Rankin and Bass um, Christmas special. I think... uh... (laughs) How's, how's that Put one going? One foot in front of the other. Jingle, jingle, hmm. dingle, jingle. It's Chris Chris Kringle, I think, when he's teaching the, uh, I think, Bigfoot or, or the, the the Ice King or whatever, how to walk. You've got to... I, I
1: mean, I understood none of the words that you said to me. Really? Other than Christmas special.
0: You didn't the watch Franklin the and Bash and Christmas? Franklin and, <laughs> no, and Bash the rank, with uh, Mark, ra- Paul, it, and. <laughs> no, Rankin and Bass, isn't it? Rankin and Bass, are those the guys that make it?
1: Oh, the, the oh, same? the animators, are Rankin and Bass. Yeah, because
0: they always had their they had their name at the top. At,
1: I think I know what you mean. Okay, you
0: know what I'm talking about.
1: Okay, so that song plays when you ask for Alexa or, or Google or Siri or whomever.
0: Yeah, you don't. It doesn't play bone symphonies from uh, Revenge of the Nerds
1: right well that's just um well it's realistic i mean
0: <laughs> it it makes more sense it's probably more memorable and that's not why it, we're covering it it's why we're covering revenge of the nerds right I that's, that's what that's
1: uh, what um have you had that thing happen though where like you're like uh you just kind of will yell out like hey alexa and i'm, I'm being a little quiet because i don't want her to fucking yeah hear me and then, <laughs> i feel you and then tape, tape our podcast and send it to the FBI. But, uh, you know, where you do that thing and you're like, you know, like play uh, like, like Phil Collins, for example, and you think you're going to get like the, the well-known, the more well-known songs of the oeuvre and you get just like the most obscure song that no one has heard of or likes and that's what she's leading off with and you're like, what in the world is going on? So it wouldn't surprise me you know, to say one foot in front of the other and you don't get Bone Symphony. I mean, I I don't even know, is is that even on in the library, Bone Symphony? It is. I can tell you it is.
0: Um, You put it in there? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I have had that happen to me and actually happened to me today. I I wanted to listen to some Paul McCartney and Wings from the uh, late 70s, early generic. Very yeah,
1: very standard, obvious.
0: And honestly, my favorite, variation on the Beatles offshoots I guess you should say I could say uh I am saying and I expected to hear I don't know band on the run or uh you know just another day. S-
1: silly love songs or, or something yeah yeah
0: right but instead um it, it, it's Paul McCartney live at Madison's at Madison Square Garden or something yes, and he's yes, playing Sergeant Pepper's Lonely yes. Hearts Club Band and I'm like why do I want nope. to hear Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by Paul McCartney with a cover band? I don't yes. want to hear that.
1: No, that is exactly what I'm talking about. You shouldn't in default double time. to the live. You shouldn't default to the live <laughs> version first of all. No. That should be a specification in double time. Right? Yeah, so you, yeah, so it should be like, no, this is what I want. And uh Uh, Another thing that happens to me is, like, I'll say a song and then I'll be like, the remix. Like, no, I didn't specify the remix.
0: Where are you even getting this from?
1: The remix. Actually, the only
0: time I, you're, (laughs) wow, we're, same brain. Because I I asked uh, Alexa to play, uh, or Google or whatever, to play um, Go West the other day. Don't look down, girl. Don't look. Down,
1: girl. Right? No. You got it you gotta, in your in your head. You have an expectation.
0: And they played the remix.
1: No. No. I mean, th- and that's enough to make you want to break your devices.
0: Kind of reminds me of in the movie we're going to talk about today, in the finale, you hear one version of a song. And then you find out that that song is on the soundtrack, a slightly different version. Mm-hmm. And then you go to that slightly different version, and it is completely different <laughs> outside of pretty, pretty infantile synthesizer keyboard sound, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have so much to say about it. And obviously, you know that I literally, just before we got. Just before we pressed record and got on here, I listened to the song, and the song that we're talking about is uh, the. It's the most well-known song from the talent show, and I, you know, because we brought it up, I feel like it's important to say now. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, everybody that knows Revenge of the Nerds knows, you know, Poindexter is playing the the violin and it's 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 this triumphant moment and the nerds are gonna win the talent show and like Lamar does his rap. Well, the full song of this doesn't have a rap. It has Ollie from Ollie and Jerry just yelling, haven't you heard, for 20 minutes. It felt like 20 minutes. I don't know. I lo- for I, those that I, don't I know like, who Ollie and this.
0: Jerry are, who are Ollie and Jerry for, for, for those that don't know?
1: Well, Ollie and Jerry were pioneers. Uh, in a little film called Breaking, they uh, they band together and they wrote a song called "There's No Stopping Us." There's no stopping us, no stopping. No one does it better. No one does it better than me. Wow, um, which impressive. is one of, one of my favorites. Uh, and we talk a lot about songs on here when we want to get motivated. I mean, for a very long time, and it's and I still could put it on and get motivated. It's it is a it is a unifying song. When I think about it, I think about groups of kids from the streets overcoming the corporate machine, taking over the government, overthrowing. You know, I mean that's more the plot of Breaking Two, but Breaking One. Yeah. You know, it's still it's it's about it's it's. Just, There's no stopping us is a, is a wonderful song. Now, Ollie went off and uh, with with a bunch of randos and formed this band called Revenge, which was special for the movie. And I don't know what's going on. It is. It's a lot of synthesizer and it's it's a lot of nonsense. Um, but I had never heard the full thing. And of course you last night were like, oh, do you want to do the you wanna talk about the the haven't you heard song? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know what that is. And
0: uh Haven't you heard you know,
1: un- unbeknownst to me. Uh because I never watched the credits. You know, I never watched the whole credits like. Wow. as the credits roll this 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 lunacy goes on for far too long uh this 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 droning pulsating hammer through your brain haven't you heard haven't you heard haven't you heard what haven't we heard i mean i've heard it all because you don't shut up ollie i've heard i've heard enough (laughs) click so anyway today we're obviously discussing 1984's revenge of the nerds with the song that let us in today one foot in front of the other by bone symphony because really there there was no other choice i mean there's some other choices there's some other songs we can talk about those but anyway i've talked for way too long about this but
0: no, no, no! You haven't at all. Um, I was gonna. I was just gonna jump in and say, you know, for those of you new to our show, thank you and welcome. Welcome and thank you. Oh, uh, yeah! But, thank you for
1: bringing it back. Really, thank you.
0: Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Um, the the format is always pretty much we discuss a movie and then one song from the soundtrack typically. And so, Revenge of the Nerds, and we'll get to the soundtrack in general down the at towards the tail end of the show. The soundtrack is very interesting because it's not very good. And the film has so many songs that are actually not on the soundtrack. It's another Iron Eagle moment, if you will. Um, For those Mm -hmm. of you that don't know, that's the fact that uh, Iron Eagle has so many great songs in the movie that don't get put on the soundtrack for whatever reason. It's such a bummer because you buy the soundtrack thinking, oh, I'm going to have the movie experience in my ears. And you get the complete opposite. You're like, this isn't the movie experience I wanted. Uh, So Revenge of the Nerds is the same way. And that song uh, by Revenge stood out to me because I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, Thomas Newman does the music score for this film. And it was one of his first music scores and we are big Thomas Newman fans. And there's hints throughout this movie of of who Thomas Newman would become. And um, didn't, you know, Real Genius, for example, it's like, that's probably mm-hmm. my one of my favorite music scores that is cannot be found anywhere. For sure. They never never got released on vinyl, vinyl, or anything like that.
1: Um That's it, that's another show. You can't do that inside Joke here. Well, oh, I guess you can now, because now I know it. I know it. You can do it. <laughs> so vinyl. So we go like that. And I, then I go vinyl. Yeah.
0: I hear the uh, finale <laughs> at the end of Revenge of the Nerds. I'm like, that's gotta be Thomas Newman. That's gotta be Thomas Newman, right? It's gotta be. And because it just it reminds me of that the guitar uh, use of guitar in the finale reminded me of the guitar use in real genius. Right. So, um, I'm hearing and i'm thinking okay this band revenge was probably put together for the movie and thomas newman's got to be in this band so maybe we'll right. do that song and then uh, upon listening to the full song and obviously checking in with dustin about it we're like no we're gonna go with one foot in front of the other so it's like i don't know man
1: <laughs> and obviously we're we're breaking format uh, really with our A little with bit just yeah. talking about the soundtrack first but uh that's just kind of how it how it happened so everybody thank you for your patience and uh before we get into the glory that is probably our most mainstream movie yet, Agreed. yep, and our most successful out-of-the-gate movie. Uh, wowie, wow! Uh, we have some people to thank. First, we we want to thank some of our special patrons for joining our Patreon uh, this past month. Um, of course, uh, Zach, your your I always want to say your childhood friend because, but he's not your childhood friend. He's your Longtime friend, uh, Terry. Terry Chapman. Um, Yep. Terry Chapman. But you, but you met Terry in your late twenties, right? Early
0: twenties. Early twenties. Okay. Twenty-three or twenty-four. But but definitely, you know those people in your life that that kind of help you break through the the threshold and become who you're truly supposed to be in life. He was that guy for me. Uh, Really helped me see who I'm supposed to be as a person. Yeah, yeah, really just lifelong friend.
1: That's like the highest praise a friend can give another friend. Um, So Terry has joined our Patreon. Thank you, Terry. Thanks, Um, you. We also have uh, our friend Crystal, a.k.a. Stiff Kitten, uh, also has joined up. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: She's a mensch. She is a
1: mensch. You are a mensch great taste Uh, great taste and we appreciate you and then um and thank you to patrick cabine who is a top tier subscriber and the one who the one subscriber to rule them all as we say
0: (laughs) well patrick's is uh uh, for for those that don't know uh as a top tier patron he will be getting a mix cd curated by dustin and myself and uh and very special very unique it has a special intro just for him so if you sign up at the highest tier that's one of the many perks you get um and he'll get this a a great mix cd every six months so uh yeah patrick by the time you heard that by by the time you're hearing this episode you will have already received your cd so i hope you enjoy it good
1: it's really fantastic and of course too uh this episode being the sort of our lead-in to our interview with jeff canoe the director of revenge of the nerds also the director of gotcha the director of troop beverly hills we we have a segment on our on our patreon that is where uh you guys get to ask the questions and that comes also at the top tier level so something to consider and uh we appreciate everybody Um, I also want to say, you know, um, if you're listening to the show for the first time, thank you so much. I want to encourage everybody to, you know, if, if you like the show and you're on social media, you know, give us a tag, tell us what you enjoy, what you'd like, what you'd like to see more of what you'd like to see less of. I mean, we really welcome that, that kind of, uh, engagement. And, uh, you know, this really is a show for you guys, the people. So, um, obviously we're the ones hosting it but we are an arm of the 80s vehicle uh so to speak so um yeah so tag us in your stories tag us in your stuff like just 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 tag us we'd love to hear from you um and now i'm gonna get off my my little stool and we can start the show for reals
0: i was just gonna say and maybe this needs to be a part of our tagline um as future upcoming guest cynthia rothrock said we're a lot of fun not your typical interview or show, so there you go
1: yeah, it's uh it it, it re- that really is like the highest honor to me when it really I, is when <laughs> anybody I, says anything like that trick. to us no, no, it really is because um you know there's, there's uh, not to not to, to 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 rag on anybody but like i, I the sense I get uh, from many guests having been on and and have said similar things, they're always kind of like they get a little awkward, they get a little weird, they get a little too focused on one thing. The people don't really know who they are beyond that thing. Um, and so, you know, we're coming at it as fans, but we are also coming at it as human beings who are just kind of genuinely interested in these these, these many facets.
0: Yeah, I, I I was gonna say that, you know, obviously, like you mentioned earlier, Jeff Canoe will be our upcoming guest. That is thanks to our good buddy, Jesu Garcia, who helped get him on our show. Um, and, and and we're obviously not, we already covered Gotcha, which Jeff directed, and he talks about that in the episode. What I loved about his interview, and, and, and I'll keep it short, is that uh, you get to know him for, like you said, for who they are deeper than just one specific movie. Obviously, Revenge of the Nerds is his most memorable film. That's why we're talking mm-hmm. about it. And Dustin and I had kind of, thrown back and forth this idea of doing a fairly mainstream movie for once. Typically, we don't. Typically, we do ones that are known, but they are not well known. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds is, by some, it's considered a classic. By today's, it might be considered a cancel film uh, based on Mm -hmm. one or two specific scenes. And we'll talk about that, obviously. It is definitely our most memorable film we've ever covered. Uh, And it's got a lot to unpack. I haven't watched this movie since I was a teenager. Uh, I I saw this movie when I was a kid. Um, (laughs) It came out in 84, but it didn't hit video shelves probably until maybe 85. I'm speculating. Um, And I think that's around the time that I saw it. And I was only nine years old at the time. Uh, Right. Which is weird
1: when you think about that. Like, like, wow, I was, we were young watching this movie.
0: It's really weird. I've got an older brother and he introduced me to a lot of content that I wouldn't dare introduce to my son. <laughs> no. No, no. And my no, older brother in many time. ways was, you know, he he I love my older brother Eric, but um you know, he was the one that kind of usually chose the movies to watch uh on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And mm-hmm. Revenge of the Nerds was one of those movies in either 85 or 86 when I watched it. Definitely too young to see this movie. You know, the the character that plays Worms are uh, Andrew Cassis, I think his name is. The kind of cast and crew sheltered him from seeing some of the mm-hmm. stuff that is inappropriate for a kid his age. And he yeah. didn't see the movie until he was a teenager. And he's like, wow, I missed out on so much. Um, I was the opposite of that. <laughs> right you
1: you missed out on too little
0: i'm like what's hair pie eric
1: yep no totally totally and i mean presumably if you're listening to this you have seen revenge of the nerds if you have not seen revenge of the nerds it is a uh, a movie about nerds and their revenge i mean that's the that's the that's the short of it um but it's i think
0: that's the most of the plot basically that they ever got yeah. before they cuz they ad lib like 95% of this movie so
1: you know, and they're caricature uh, to a degree, but they are also very real characters that we come to know and we come to love. And um, just going back a little bit, I so this movie came out in, in July of 1984. Um, and, you know, a lot of the movies that we cover, they are just movies that usually have that second life either on VHS or HBO. And that's where yes. we saw them. And this movie had an opening like this movie people went to see in the theaters. It wasn't one of those things of like, uh, you know, it opened, It, it, it no one saw it, 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 you know, no, this was out in a lot of theaters, like, you know, just, uh, 900, a thousand theaters. Um,
0: wow. For many, yeah.
1: many weeks. And, um, and it's one of those things where I think that the cast and everybody that was involved with it, they, I mean, a lot of the... We've heard the lore where, you know, most of the cast didn't even want to be in it. They didn't didn't like their characters. They didn't consider themselves nerds. So they didn't even want to be in this movie and much less have this movie or have any expectation that this movie would, would explode and be a, you know, sensation. And that, you know, Curtis Armstrong, for example, hated Booger. He got the script. He hated the character of Booger. He was trying to take out lines he he thought that if booger never identified himself as booger and he just called himself dudley then he wouldn't you know have to be picking his nose and all this stuff but meanwhile like booger is the character that put him (laughs) on the map uh and the one that he owes you know his success to so it's just it's just funny in that regard like that no one had any idea what was going to happen with the opening they probably they kind of maybe wanted it to be buried and then it was like oh no now they can't go anywhere without being known as their characters
0: right yeah right. and and it's funny you say that about booger because isn't there a line in the movie where they're like why do they call you booger and he's like i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah as he's picking his nose <laughs> yeah
0: and i think he even said before the movie started uh he's quoted or someone uh talking to bronson show he's like I would never pick my nose on screen. I'm like, well, you did it.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting yeah.
0: thing to think about. Like, I th- do you think it was a, a different time back then where people were like, I I would never even consider doing this, and they would turn down. Because we hear that a lot from actors oh. that we've had on our show that they turn down roles, especially like Dean Cameron, for example. He's like, nope, never doing it. Nap in the trash. Um, Curtis Armstrong did not do that, and look what happened. Iconic. Well,
1: yeah. I mean he wanted to though. It's I I I, yes. I read his I read I read his uh autobiography and it is uh it is wonderful. It's a good read. Um but it uh yeah it's it, it's a lot of that where not only not only him but um but Timothy Busfield, Robert Carradine. I mean Robert Carradine was almost like 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 combative about being Lewis. Like he didn't want to be Lewis and these guys just didn't want to be these characters. And, you know, Curtis Armstrong, I think I'm trying to remember. He he had, you know, he had read for a lot of the characters. And as he was going through the script, he was like, I would be any of these guys except Booger, who repulses me and I think, you know, is a slob. And then only later, kind of many years later, did he kind of process that his connection with Booger was because he really was Booger. Like that's who he is, you know, growing up, he was the guy that wanted to be with the girls and he, you know, and he had very particularly quote nerdy interests. And so it's, yeah, it's very apropos that that's who he was. He was meant to be booger, obviously.
0: Well, if you take, if you take the booger, the gross aspect away of his character, you know, picking boogers and eating food off of a uh, poindexer's jacket and um, the, the burping, he is very much like a, he's he's kind of like a like a like he's just a funny cool dude in a way you know like he would be somebody if i was in high school i would want to hang out with because he makes funny jokes and uh seems fairly confident about himself and loyal to his friends like you know i totally. think it's a pretty decent well-rounded character um I, you know it's funny that you say that about uh robert carradine who plays lewis that he but he like owned the character. He became Lewis. Like he I think he's he's one of only what two or three of the guys in the whole cast that did every single Revenge of the Nerd incarnation following this. And um yep. that says something, yep. right?
1: Yep. Booger and Booger and uh Booger and Lewis. There was no Gilbert after a certain period. After I think after one.
0: the first one, right? Did Gilbert even hold well, on he, to the
1: second one? He... Had- he appears in a flashback or like a dream sequence in the second one.
0: Yeah. And I yeah.
1: don't even know if it's him. Um, it's really uh, weird. You know, that movie, I really, it's, it hit pales so crazily in comparison to the first one. Well, um,
0: yeah. I mean, we even just s- trying talked to ride about that.
1: that money train.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, please. <laughs> no, we even, we even talked about that right before we even uh, went on the air to, to do this episode. We're, we were throwing around. Well, the second one's not good, but it's got the best song out of <laughs> the uh, the entire, like, nope. uh, I don't know, what do what you, series, I guess? Uh, trap, uh, uh, you know, Back to Paradise, back uh, by uh, 38 Special. I mean, Take Me Back to Paradise, like, or yeah, b- Back to Paradise. Yeah, it's, yeah so great. That one Part is of my workout mix. But yeah, the, 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 the cast is phenomenal for this movie. I think that was one of the first things I wrote down. Uh, as I was taking notes on this uh, film, is that it's got, by today's standards, people that are film historians or, or or film nerds or cinephiles. You look at this cast and you're like, holy shit! There's a there's a great cast in this film. You know, besides yeah. Robert Carradine and Curtis yeah. Armstrong, but Anthony Edwards, like you said, Timothy Busfield, um, Larry B. Scott, Brian Tochi. Julia Montgomery didn't do that many movies, but she's so good at as mm-hmm. you know Betty Child. Michelle Mayrink, which still trips me out, the fact that she did this movie, then she Re- did Real Genius Real right Genius. after, and she yep. pl- essentially yep. plays like kind of a same character. Uh, Ted McGinley, I mean, my God, and then of course Donald Gibb, like James Cromwell. Sorry, I'm kind of rattling them all yeah, off. Yeah, no, but,
1: I, I I think that's great. I mean, look, the the thing I'll say about Michelle Mayrink is interesting because I think she. I think the characters that she plays in real genius versus this is very different to the point where I for a while did not connect the dots that 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 they were the same
0: person. I agree, I agree. so yeah, i will I will edit what I said. Um, <laughs> they're very different, but they're both nerds, you know, uh, quote unquote yes, and, but and,
1: but different different kinds
0: and I think it's you, you know. said this earlier, um, you know, these characters are kind of parodies but we really didn't have a parody yet of what a nerd was this, this pretty much became the blueprint of like what was considered a nerd moving forward. Uh, I think that's why I loved real genius so much because I was like, Oh, that's the complete opposite of revenge of the nerds. These are the cool nerds. These are the dudes who don't get picked on, but they're at a school after watching this just recently. They're, those guys were at a school that embraced nerddom. This school did right. not, and that's right. the difference.
1: Right. So I think that that kind of bears a little bit of tracking because because uh, it's important. So you've got you've got Lewis played by Robert Carradine, and you've got Gilbert played by Anthony Edwards, and these guys uh, presumably have known each other their whole lives. They've grown up together, and when the movie starts, it's kind of this like immediately we know that they're both going off to college together and there's this kind of like weird, like anxiety from both parents where it's sort of like, Oh, you're going to be alone. And like Anthony Edwards is like, well, no, I'm going to have Lewis. I'm going to have Lewis. And then Lewis is, is refrained just as like, it's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year, you know? And you're like, ah, we're already setting that stage for, you know, the realities of the world. And they go off to Adams college, Fictional Adams College, which uh, uh, we learn has a, a great computer program. And that is why both gentlemen are, are going there and they're going to meet some girls and it's going to be great. But the important thing is, is that they can reinvent themselves and, um, you know, within the first minute of arriving at campus, by the way, this is something that has always kind of bothered me, you know, having gone to college myself and loaded into a dorm It's just so weird that, like, Lewis's dad, played by James Cromwell, uh, just drops them off, like, near this curb. And then they have to, like, schlep their shit for, like, what seems to be miles to get to their dorm room. And this is always bothering me. With one trap
0: after the other.
1: Yes. Right? It's, It's just, like, one thing after the other. So they're schlepping this giant trunk. And uh, meanwhile, over at the Alpha Beta house, you know, Ogre, played by Donald Gibb, is up on the top uh, balcony there. And uh, suddenly the, the guys are hearing like, nerds! And they're like, is he, where where are they? Where are the, where are the nerds? <laughs> you know? I just love that. Lewis is like, where are the nerds? I, I don't see any yeah. nerds. And Anthony Edwards is like, uh, you know, Gilbert's like, uh, I think he's talking about us. It's like, no way. No way. He's not talking about us. Um, but of course he is. And yeah. they get, uh, you know, yelled at the nerd cat call uh, is yelled as they're as they're walking down uh, to their dorm. And, um, you know, the the stage is immediately set. We know. OK, there are our antagonists.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much, it's, it's laid out really quickly. I just want to go back to that walk across the grass that they make, that trek, because it's very much, the beginning is like an airplane parody almost, kind of bit where they're having, or these like naked gun type moments where it's almost like slapstick comedy. Um, the tone, I really I really appreciate and enjoy this movie. I really do. But the tone is all over the place. It's all mm-hmm. over the place. Because one it minute is. they're like doing slapsticky, jokey stuff. And then they're like bringing it down really low and really dark. There's moments where it mm-hmm. feels really dark and heavy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Especially the picked on part for anybody that's ever been bullied or picked on. It feels very relatable and it feels very dramatic. And I feel like that's where Jeff Canoe excels because like mm-hmm. he... Because he wants to be a dramatic director. Listen to our interview, and you'll hear all about that. Um, Yep. And then you've got these scenes that were totally ad libbed, and because the script was probably so light, you know, and there wasn't anything there. uh, and, 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 Bravo to the actors who ad libbed their asses off and so many of the scenes that we love are all ad-libbed. Yeah. I was reading about, you know. But yeah, that, yeah. that scene where they're walking across the lawn and you're like, oh man, this is like a are we are we stepping into uh police academy? Not no, not even police academy right. did that. Police Academy like two did that, you know, where it became really police academy over four. The
1: time. Right. By the time yeah. we we're in Police Academy Four, we were we were gone. Yep.
0: Yeah, th- this is like in that territory in the first five minutes. And then you go back. But yeah, it's you're right like from that that nerds moment like ogre (laughs) if this was made today ogre would be considered someone with like special needs for sure
1: (laughs) but you know i mean the nice thing about the evolution of ogre and I'm, i'm getting way ahead of myself but the the evolution of the of the ogre character is that you know deep down and i think i think this is this is actually most of the alpha betas that deep down they are nerds. They're just kind of ashamed of that side of them. They they, they don't feel comfortable uh, being that comfortable with who they are. So Well
0: yeah. You said that about um or uh, Stan Stan Gable, played by Ted McGinley. Stan Gable. That's his yep. that was they cut that out of the movie, right? That he had this moment where he like had his glasses on in a scene and then um yeah, they come in. It's, this is something that was cut for the movie, and then and then you know his his brothers come in to get him, and he like puts the glasses away really quickly, and uh, and so that final scene when he of the movie when he's all choked up, it's not the sadness of him losing Betty, but it's the sadness of him not being able to be true to who he really is.
1: Yes, which is very deep, and uh, and then I think it's I think it's *Revenge of the Nerds* three where he finally. Because in, in two, Ogre becomes a nerd, and then in three, I think Stan becomes a nerd. Or four. One of them is like a made for TV. They're just they're just disasters. But anyway, yes. And, and that that totally adds another deeper uh, emotional level to it. Um and a justification. Yeah. Um those that uh you know, those that are hurt wanna see others hurt. But that's um, like all
0: bullies, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the nerds uh the nerds uh, settle into the dorms and then uh you know uh we're not really introduced to any of the characters at this point but um we we do take a take a trip to the alpha beta house where a raging party is going on and uh a little game called fireball where we we're, a, we're a, a fraternity member or it's not you know it's 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 interesting because the alpha betas, the entirety of the alpha betas are also the entirety of the football team. So that keeps it simple for us as the audience, but it's almost like, okay, so every frat brother is also on the football team. So yeah. one of the frat brothers is doing some fireballing, blowing some alcohol into, a, into a, a lighter and creating a fireball, and then quickly blows it right into the curtains, talking heads, <laughs> burning down the house, little two on the nose, a little two on the nose, but it's a big, big song of the times. Uh, oh, it's a great starts song. it's playing.
0: Man, big song for that movie.
1: Yeah, big song, not right. On the soundtrack? Nope. Nope. Why would it be on the soundtrack? Couldn't afford it. Couldn't afford it. Yep. Um. So the house burns down, and this is kind of the catalyst for what kind of drives the whole movie, which is that. Uh, the football team. Well, John Goodman. John Goodman. Fucking amazing yeah. in this movie. John Goodman. Oh god. Oh my god. He's so he's so good in this movie as the football coach. Uh, yeah. You know the, the leader the, the alpha beta football coach. But um, you know he's like where are my boys where are my boys gonna gonna live you know and they're trying to blame it on electrical failure or whatever and and the dean of the school who was also a nerd. Yeah. Um. You know, it was like, well, we'll, well, you know, we can't just displace the freshmen. And then, um, yeah, next scene, the freshmen are literally being thrown out of the windows, just thrown through the windows. There's and, your parody uh, moment the,
0: number two. Yeah,
1: right, where it's like, ah, and you're like, oh, my God, like the the letters and and lawsuits that would be happening from this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's where I kind of feel you know sad, but it's it is like it's so goofy. But you're like you know you're watching all the the, the it's it's weird that all the freshmen for the most part are at that point they're considered nerds, um, and then they all kind of get put in the gym together. And then the dean. I'm really just kind of moving forward here, and I'm I, I know we don't do scene by scene, but I'm just trying to bring us up yeah. to up to speed in the in this in the sense of like you know the dean is kind of like. Now they have set up this refugee camp in the gym, and the dean is saying, "Well, don't worry, guys, because if you get, because you got this place, a lot of you can get you know uh, picked up by fraternities." So they're all excited, everybody, and we start to see all the, yeah, the, the various nerds. Yeah, I'm going to be in a frat. It's going to be great. Of course, none of them, you know, should. Yeah, you know, why would they even want to be? And uh, and then there's kind of this smash cut to. Everybody's gone. Everybody that is going to be picked up by fraternity is now picked up, and it's all that's left is our is our core group of of nerds, the guys nobody wanted in their frat. They're just living here in the gym together, and um, yeah, and we can stay in the gym
0: until basketball season, (laughs) presumably as
1: long as you like, or at least until the start of basketball season. Um, (laughs) Fantastic, but then you know that's where we. We meet Booger. We meet Takashi. Um, Wormser being dropped off. Wormser is the Dookie Hauser, the the uh, prodigy, um, and uh, Lamar doing calisthenics in front of the one TV. Yeah, and that's where you're like, all right, these are the guys. These are the guys.
0: This is the crew. Larry B. Scott plays Lamar, and he's a he's a gay character, and 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 the apparently. Uh, he had to kind of live down the effeminate or, you know, uh, role of this film uh, by playing more kind of testosterone-fueled characters according to, Mm, like, mm -hmm. interviews and such. I don't see that at all. I think by today's standards, I feel like for the most part, it's not... There's a couple scenes in the movie where you're like, oh, man, that's really, like, over the top. But for the most part, I don't think he is. I I feel like he's just... He is a gay kid at college and I don't feel like it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's like a bad thing or a disastrous thing or whatever. It's, I think it's portrayed in a very like kind of somewhat normal way in a wacky comedy. And I think he's awesome. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think he's an awesome character. I mean, he's so, no, totally. he's so great. I,
1: I was, I was sad to learn that Larry B. Scott was not, was not gay. I was like, oh yeah. man, cause he's so good. He's just, he is Lamar. Um,
0: he's one of the guys that continued to play Lamar for the rest of the, uh, the entire franchise.
1: He's in karate kid for like 25 seconds and you wouldn't, I just feel like nobody would really know that unless you were a fan of the eighties. Like we are, I just, yeah, it's not something most people know or even really care to know, but it is an interesting thing. Um, it's, it's a blip. uh,
0: He's, he's, he's very, he's got, yeah, he's got two or three scenes in the entire movie, and uh, you know, I I, yeah. I recognize him more from Iron Eagle than I did yes. because he had such a bigger role in that. Um, you know, but then I'm think, I'm thinking like, if you've never seen Extreme Prejudice, uh, directed by Walter Hill, starring Nick Nolte and Powers Booth, and Maria Conchita Alonso. Uh, Zach's
1: favorite act, uh, director.
0: <laughs> he is right. one of my favorite directors, no doubt. Um, but not the check favorite. that movie out it's got uh, Michael Ironside Clancy Brown William Forsyth I mean come on before the I mean, Expendables there was extreme prejudice with that actually had a good cast and good writing <laughs> and a great director behind it um, but damn. yeah when, when it's funny when you're introduced to all these characters like we talked about there's so much ad-libbing going on and I look at that and I'm like damn these guys were great improv actors you know overall for for them yeah. to have to go through so many scenes where they're like okay well let's just make something up here you know like really important scenes um and john mm-hmm. goodman has some lines in this that were not scripted and you're like you know there's a scene later on in the movie when the kind of the the nerds get their revenge on the jocks right and they 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 uh make their jock straps itch and liquid burn. heat liquid heat in their jock straps and they're on the football field itching and scratching and john goodman's giving this big pep talk speech to kind of get him fired up and they run off to the showers and he's like what does he say he's like
1: oh he's like shit we forgot to practice yeah because <laughs> he gets them so hyped up he's like, yeah
0: I'm like, shit we forgot to practice right
1: yeah so great amazing. so great yep yep
0: I've, I've seen this movie i don't know A dozen times in my lifetime, but uh, watching it again recently after not watching it for so many years, I was like reminded of how funny it is for scenes like that or the scenes in the gymnasium when Booger and Takashi are playing cards together. (laughs) What the fuck is a fresh?
1: Yeah. Not to digress because I'm staying on topic, but I'm digressing from the story of this to say that like Revenge of the Nerds is a movie that I probably have seen I, I, more than any other movie, I, which is a crazy thing to say, wow. but I watched this movie so many times, and I, and when it was on HBO all the time, I was I was like, oh, I got to tape this, you know, I just got to tape this because even though it's on a lot, I just don't really know when I'm, when it's going to be on, or you know, maybe we looked at TV guide at that point. I don't even know, but um, or the, there was there was some way of knowing right, like what was on, and yeah. um, and I remember one day I was like, okay, I'm gonna tape it. And then I'll just have it, and so I recorded it. And then the next morning, I went to check the tape, and the tape I, I had recorded a movie called "Revenge of the Nerd," which is this Canadian like after school special Whoa. about a guy named Bertram who loves this girl named Louise. And I was like, "Fuck, man! I we, I didn't tape Revenge of the Nerds. I taped Revenge of the Nerd." And then really and then I and then I became obsessed with Revenge of the Nerd. And I watched that like 25 times. So every so Film often or after a,
0: school special.
1: Well, it was on HBO, you know, but it's but it's a Canadian, it's like very like mur, 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 mur. It certainly exists uh, on YouTube. Wait, it,
0: it, it has the the theme music is the the losing sound on uh, press your luck.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty much it's basically that. And there's this, um, you know, the nerd whose name is Bertram, also like loves computers and television and all that stuff. And there's just this one song that occasionally gets in my head, and it's it's every little breeze seems to whisper, Louise, because Bertram's been uh, pranked to think that Louise likes him. So he puts on a literal song and dance for her in the hallways. Don't be nervous. It's perfectly all right. I understand.
0: Yes, except I'm not sure I do.
1: Maybe, maybe I can put it to you a different way. Every little breeze seems to whisper Louise birds in the tree seem to twitter louise each little rose tells me it knows i love you louise every little beat that i
0: feel this is a movie that came out in in um it's a cbs afternoon playhouse movie are there characters um, like uh louise uh mike mike yeah Dennis? yeah mike mike's the bully Mike's Mr. the bully, Buries. and
1: Louise. Uh, Bertram Cummings is the is the lead of the of the. Uh,
0: Does of Dalton the, Sherwood f- sound familiar can't to find you?
1: Find it anywhere? Yeah, yep, that's it. So, I'm, um, I'm showing Dustin yep, a picture yep. of the yep. uh,
0: CBS After School poster. You got. Yeah, it. You guys would so, know that this looks fantastic. They're not going to push. They're not going to push me around anymore. Meet fourteen year old Bertram. He's hopelessly out of it helplessly in love fighting back revenge of the nerd for anyone who ever wanted to get even wow so So, this is like before revenge of the nerds there was revenge of the nerd
1: right so you can imagine my disappointment when I realized I taped this crap and not revenge of the nerds but then I was like I may as well watch it so uh, and I watched it a lot so um,
0: well that was the thing that people of this generation of the of 2021 generation don't understand is that uh because they're just being born no of the uh of the past you know 20 years um that that you had one shot with some of these things you watched it over and over and over again because there wasn't that many choices or if there were they just yeah it was really it was really that bad though and or that good for some certain uh movies but Yeah, man, like I I could I could I would think that you would have been bummed out because this movie uh, at the time, you know, besides it being R rated and just its overall tone of language and whatnot, it's heavy on nudity, heavy on sexual uh, innuendo and just the first vagina. The
1: first vagina I think I saw was in this movie for sure, which
0: is lovingly referred to as hair pie
1: hair pie or or as booger says bush this is either bullshit where's bush pan down you know (laughs) we've got bush and then they like use that tagline and and, you know for other things in the other in the sequels and it didn't land well but um but yes uh you know this this movie was was big for nudity and um um and then also, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss kind of how culturally uh, it was a different time, and um, you know, there's a lot of things that that just wouldn't wouldn't fly. Um, you know, boys will be boys, a panty raid, uh, uh, setting up cameras in the sorority house. Um, you know, and again, like at this point, I think I'm I'm talking assuming that that people have seen this movie. So, you know what I'm talking, you know, everybody knows what we're talking about here.
0: I do have to point out really quick before before you get into the voyeuristic aspect and the, the sexual aspect of it, um, back to when the nerds get kicked out right in the beginning of the movie, when they get kicked out of their dorm rooms. Yeah. It is so offensive to me as an adult nowadays. There's so many moments in this movie that, that infuriate me. Um, just as a human being because, and 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 I know it's parody and I, but, but coming at it from the angle that I, my 45 year old self where I'm like, if they made this today, you know, because there was talk at one point about remaking this film. Uh, it, it, it's kind of got shelved and put in limbo and it may very well be may, remade down the road or mm-hmm. re-envisioned. It's gotta be re-envisioned because there's so many elements of this movie that would just drive you insane. You know, the fact that like, yeah, the coach is like, pick pick whatever room you want. And I'm like, Wait, no, no, it doesn't yeah. work that way. And the dean's whatever just sitting by doing jack shit. And you're like, where's your balls, dude? You're the one who's in charge, you know? But yeah. then I get that where schools, uh, especially during that time, schools were owned by their sports program. So if you had a successful sports program, you kind of had to be status quo with everything else. Sure. Um, You know, so there's that aspect, which infuriated me. Then there's the uh, racial stereotypes that go on, especially with, specifically with Takashi, you know. Mm -hmm. And while at the time I laughed my ass off, we've all evolved. We all understand that things should be framed differently now for comedic effect.
1: But what I'll say about that is at least, at least Takashi is actually played by an Asian American. Yes, you know, and not, and not like Mickey Rooney in weird glasses or something, you know, like which you could also see happening.
0: No, totally. You know, you're absolutely right. And Brian Tochi, uh, who's Leonardo, by the way, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies and Nogata, Cadet, Cadet Nogata in uh, Police Academy 3, who's phenomenal in that, by the way. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite characters in that, in that movie. Um He's a martial right. artist Absolutely. with uh
1: Jones. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, at least, you know, it's not Joel and, and Gray. It is funny. Joel you know, Gray. I, Two words. <laughs> yeah, Joel Gray. Exactly. Go watch Remo Williams, guys. Or yeah. watch the Remo Williams pilot with Roddy McDowell as Chun. Which is even worse. <laughs> right. even worse. Uh, it's terrible. So, no, yeah, but the but 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 at the heart of it though, there's such a camaraderie. And I want to give all these guys big hugs because in, 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 we've all yeah. been that guy. We've all, I mean, for speaking personally, where you just want to be accepted for who you are, not who you're like everybody expects you to be. Um, and, and there's so much heart to it. And mm-hmm. maybe that is where Jeff Canoe, that, that's where his craftsmanship came through, right? Because he was able to get you to really care about these characters. You really care about Lewis, and you really, you know, you really care about Gilbert. I mean, really yeah. care about Gilbert at the end. Just, you know,
1: he's had enough. And,
0: yeah, and, yeah. When he's just fed up. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Anyways, I, I just wanted to jump in and, and, and say that before we got to you know the the kind of elephant in the room, uh, as far as the, you know the third act is concerned.
1: Oh, no, I'm just it's it's just a lot of it's a lot of up and down in that regard, you know, where it's like the the nerds get the upper hand and then they don't and then they feel like they're on top of the world and then they and then they're not and they're not back down. And it's like these little mini revenge moments and uh, the dynamic between Robert Carradine and Anthony Edwards is fantastic to me because you've got, you know, Lewis is the guy who just like refuses to acknowledge that he is a nerd. Right, even though he knows, like he knows, but he's in denial, like the whole movie. Whereas Anthony Edwards, whereas Gilbert's like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, I mean, I almost liken it to like, this is so random, but like two dogs that are very small, and one dog (laughs) thinks that they're very big and they're trying to take on a pit bull, and the other dog is like, listen, fool, we're tiny. Like, know, know your, like, know where we are. This is our place. And so uh, you know, Gilbert's almost like, "Well, we got we got too we flew too high high to the sun. We got too close." And um, yeah. uh, you know, he's kind of like the realist, and then and then Lewis is like trying to reinvent himself. Well, we're college. We're men now. We're college men. It's very important. We're college men. So, um, <laughs> so you know, funny. and then the alpha betas are like, <laughs> "You guys are fucking nerds. Like you're just you're, you're nerds. <laughs> yeah. You know, put on a robe and you're you're a different guy. Like you're still that guy." So um so yeah so i you know and i obviously the nerds uh they they do succeed and um uh there's a lot of just a lot of like fun fun moments and i think for me the my favorite part is when they have that the the competition um yeah that's great the uh, the greek the greek festival the greek carnival um where you get to see all these kind of individually uh really amusing things, you know, whether it's uh Lamar and his limp wristed javelin or it's this uh you know Takashi and this 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 pill that lets him drink as much as he wants and he never gets drunk so he can win this uh tricycle race.
0: Day tricycle G, beer chugging
1: day race. De yes. Um yeah, and of, so good. Of, of course the uh the Belch contest. Um, you know, it's it's the all it's all great arm wrestling, great
0: stuff. the ar- the mega moves, um, arm wrestling against, uh,
1: and all culminating with the with the talent show, and yeah. um, and it's funny that the Alpha Betas put together this horrible like thing where they're dressed as cheerleaders and the, you know, the pies are dressed as football players, and then it's like, and then the nerds are like, we're gonna give you a real show with fireworks and and all this stuff. And, well, it reminds me kind song. of of.
0: One generation and another. Like the old school generation is like the nineteen fifties, where everything's like, Oh, we're just gonna do a song and dance and then you're gonna clap for us. Yay. Mm-hmm. And then the eighties come in and they're like, No, we're gonna snort a bunch of cocaine and then shoot some fireworks off and yeah. synth up your butt.
1: <laughs> yeah, synth up your butt. So <laughs> Um But it but it's at it's at this this carnival where you know the most controversial moment happens and that is that uh, Lewis witnesses a little fight between Betty the main uh, the main pie uh, cheerleader who he's been pining after the entire movie and Stan Gable, his nemesis, the head of the Alpha betas and Lewis sees this kind of Darth Vadery type mask be, that Stan was wearing as, as a costume thrown down he assumes s- Stan's you know identity so to speak and he, uh, follows, you know, Betty into the the moon room and um you know, proceeds to 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 go down on her as as Stan. And um it's it's, you know, it's it's rapey. Uh
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: It's rapey and gross and um you know, wouldn't fly today uh for sure, but she, you know, she's delighted. She's delighted. She's oh, you're that nerd. She finds out you're that nerd. Yeah, I'm that nerd. Hey, man, what's up? You know, uh, she's like, you were amazing. But yeah. All jocks care about his sex, right? Or all all jocks care about his sports and uh, all nerds care about his sex. And, um, you know, and, and in our conversation with Jeff Canoe, you know, a little teaser for that interview. It's like it it was a different time.
0: I'm not a, I'm, I don't like revisionism, uh, definitely. And I think it, you, you should keep a film. Untouched, But I think, you know, today's audience should recognize the fact that there was a different culture running Hollywood at that time and thinking what what they thought was funny is is would not be funny now. Um, And you could reframe that scene and still make it hilarious if you if you re-envision the film. Um, Sure. I do want to point out that that's the moment where uh, Betty Childs, Betty Childs, as (laughs) lewis is always like betty childs wouldn't do that <laughs> right <laughs> uh, betty Childs she's wouldn't so... steer us to the wrong oh god <laughs> no so true she's so good by the way uh Ms. julia childs. montgomery the actor she is. She, she is she's uh she was because she she goes from being such a nasty like you know witch of a character like you, no. you just do not like her to suddenly you're like Oh, she's cool. She's cool with everybody. Yeah. She's she's part of the, she's part of the cool she's part of the yeah. nerds now. It's yeah. all good. She's on my she's on our side. But yeah. like it's such a great shift, you know. But she plays that quintessential blonde, privileged white woman who who at the end you're like, no, 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 you're cool. You came around, but it's mm-hmm. what brought her to come around in the in the sense, uh, you know, it's kind of <clears throat> doesn't work today. <laughs> so
1: right, meaning meaning that he, they they had a sexual experience and that was the turning point. It was not his personality. Yeah. It was not his intelligence. She doesn't even really know anything about him.
0: No, yeah. but she yeah. hooked him. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is the quote unquote party that they have at uh, the 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 nerds have at their their home. Which they, you know, when they get displaced and they and they're in the gymnasium, they end up finding a house together and forming their own fraternity, which ends up becoming Lambda, 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 which uh, you know, is is sponsored by Bernie Casey. Who is, by the way, Bernie Casey is an awesome actor. Yeah, Uh, he's he's been in so many movies, and he's so good as being like the elder statesman and kind of keeping his composure. But his Mm -hmm. delivery of every line is good. Ah, he's just a great character. But um, yeah, when the nerds move into their their new digs, and they and and of course that's the montage scene, which we'll talk about when we get to the soundtrack um, of cleaning up the place they have a party right and and so they throw a party to impress the tri committee that's going to approve them whether or not they become a fraternity and you know betty screws them over by saying they're gonna uh come over and they don't as their dates and then gilbert who's dating uh, michelle Mayrink's character judy at this point uh she's like i can bring my you know, sorority girls over the, 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 mo- the mega, the mega moves. Right. And the so o-
1: Omega, the Omega moves. So, yeah.
0: Omega moves. Yeah. And, and they all come over and I'm not going to lie. Like as they come in, this is the God's honest truth. I think as a kid, I was like, Oh yeah, they're supposed to be gross. I'm, they're walking in. I'm like, none of them are gross. They're just, right. you know, different right. that talk about diversity, you know? Right. So uh, they come in and, and the party ends up, being fantastic and it's all good but lewis hooks up with one of the omegas and i kind of feel a little bad for her because i'm like oh they had a thing and they kind of they kind of look good together you know
1: yeah and he's dancing with his like uh like his his cordless phone
0: well no it's the remote to the robot it's the remote oh he's the the remote to
1: the robot that's right I, I, right.
0: And I just got that now watching it in 2021. Right. Like, oh, that right. wasn't a phone. That was a robot. Okay. Fun fact for those of you, and, and, and I'm spoiling it now, and Dustin has no idea. For this uh, Patreon special edition of What Does Dustin Know? It's a special special edition because it's going to be What Does Dustin Know? 1984, The Revenge of the Nerds trivia. Oh, shit. Only. Oh, my so, God. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm holding back some of my comments about the movie because we're gonna have that exclusively on Patreon. So if you want to hear more and find you. out what Dustin knows, he did say it, guys. You heard him say that this is the movie he probably watched the most out of any movie. So he should know. It, is. it, it the, really the, is. The questions I will ask him.
1: It really is. If I if I bomb it, you know, I bomb it. Um,
0: so that'll come but, up on our uh, Patreon exclusive. So go check that out
1: but hopefully i uh, hopefully i don't um w- one thing i did want to note is so people can't see this but you you have identified your sort of username as we're connected and and you've changed it to be mopery and mopery yes. <laughs> mopery was one of my most quoted things growing up and i had looked it up and i'm like is this real and it's it's yeah. it's not but i it was always so funny to me because like you know you could say like oh quit moping around, you know, quit, quit your mopery. And, uh, and when anybody would say that, or if I overheard that, I'd be like, you know, that's, um, it's exposing yourself to a blind person. And, uh, and that was my, that was my favorite, uh, thing. You know, it's just from that little scene in the movie when the guys are in the, um, they're in the, in the police precinct and what's he in for mopery. Um, it's just genius. What's Mopery? Um, <laughs>
0: yep. That might be our new, uh, that might be another $2 lay t-shirt. Oh,
1: that's such a good idea. That is such a good idea. Um, this is
0: Mopery $2 lay <laughs> so
1: But, good. uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot more to say really. Cause I feel like that it would be a very, very long episode, but I, I do, you know, I do love this movie. Yeah, I want
0: to point out two things. One, it kind of blew my mind, um, recognizing that Thomas Newman again did the score, and Michelle Mayrink is is Judy, and they're yep. both in real. Well, they both uh, Judy or Michelle was in Real Genius. Thomas did the score of Real Genius, and in both a nerd film, the the complete opposite of this. Um, and I and I am going to say that it wasn't until twenty twenty one or maybe 2020 that I made the distinction of why real genius connected with me more versus this. And I used to look at it as like, Oh, that was just a parody and it's a goof. And that's why, right. That's why I like real genius more because it takes their character seriously. And then I'm going to go back to what I said in the beginning of the episode. It is about the fact that they were accepted at this school and it, Revenge of the Nerds, they were not. And it makes total sense to me now. And I'm watch, and i watching it yeah. in a totally different light and have a greater appreciation for this film. I really do. Uh, overall, it just made me feel good. So, well that, yeah. Wait,
1: you, you, you re- uh, a greater appreciation for re- Revenge of the Nerds because of your epiphany about it?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I actually, yes. it, it, it yes. puts it in a different tier for me. Yes. You know, uh, controversy aside, look, you know... Uh, Controversy aside, I can look at this film and go, it, it's so much fun to watch. It's so silly, and, but but it has so much heart to it too. Um, Gilbert's yeah. monologue at the end is so heartfelt, and to the point where it is very dramatic. It, it's a derailment from the silliness of the fana- of the um, of the talent show, you know. Um, but I, I, I one thing I, before I just want to be I wanted to point it out. There's one of the frat boys, uh, Alpha Betas, Burke. You know, uh, yeah. He's played by Matt Salinger. I'm watching this and I'm like, I know that guy from somewhere. Come on, database in my brain. Where where's he from? He played Captain America in uh, 1990, which was a Roger Corman. Roger Corman had the rights oh, to like Marvel movies crazy. for a minute. yes. He did a terrible, uh, fantastic, fan- terrible or. Masterpiece, was real a Fantastic bad. Four. It was um, oh god, and and that yeah, he did a Captain America. Captain America, like he had prosthetic ears on the outside of his helmet that he wore. Uh, yes, that's how bad it was. And the Red Skull yes. was in it, and uh, it's it's a fun like if you go back and watch that after watching all the Marvel movies, which I've been doing with my son, um, and you go, wow, yeah, Marvel that is, stepped that up. Is their crazy, game. so.
1: That is really interesting. I wouldn't, yeah. I did not like that Captain
0: Mark at, at all. I like the prosthetics on Red Skull. I thought he looked cool, but yeah.
1: Yeah, just kind of like getting back to the core question of like, does this hold up? I mean, it does to me. And
0: I agree. Uh, maybe
1: it's, you know, maybe it's nostalgia, but, but you're right. And, you know, I think the thing about Real Genius too, just from a comparative level, it's like, yes, they're not really getting bullied in that same kind of a way certainly there's no there's no violence um you know or violent acts uh against um chris knight and uh and baby gabe um baby mitch You're right but it is, um
0: it's different it's different
1: you know it's different but then also but there is that dark turn where it's like oh we've just made a weapon that's blowing up <laughs> that's you know can shoot people from space like that's that's dark too and that and that turns that you know all the lighthearted goofiness as well
0: yeah it is different and i think maybe that's why as a kid i latched on more to real genius also the fact that it was pg-13 versus r but there's Mm -hmm. a level of intensity in this film like when the alphabet is trash their house it's so messed up or they light nerds in flames on their front lawn which is very reminiscent of you know flaming crosses it's horrible uh, it's horrible it's horrible it's hor. and pigs, letting the pigs in like moons, these are white privileged yeah. assholes and yeah and, and it's unfortunately you could show this movie now and then people would be like oh that's my next door neighbor yeah right <laughs> you know or that's the guy who uh was that was picketing in front of my school my kid's school the other day because he wouldn't because we're wearing masks to keep each other safe, you know these like it's white privilege uh, testosterone dudes, and so yeah, it was interesting. Uh, but now watching it, not having the same connection that I did when I was like ten or eleven years old, um, I hold this film in a higher, much higher regard, and I'm glad we brought it to uh, brought it to our show.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think too, you know, from the standpoint of the younger you know our age in the 80s like for me revenge of the nerds you didn't have to think all that much about what was happening it was just very like bullies versus nerds whereas like real genius just to get back to this real genius you had to think a little bit oh they're making a laser it's a weapon it's going into this thing hathaway is actually selling secrets to the government you know to the military so there's just there's just more There's just more going on outside of like, oh, I like Chris Knight, he's cool and witty and you know, he's funny things to say. And I think that's more what I focused on at that age, which was like, oh, he's cool and funny and funny thing to say.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's too bad that Val Kilmer kind of doesn't even really acknowledge that film anymore, so. Yeah. Let's talk about the soundtrack. This soundtrack reminds me a little bit of the Summer School soundtrack. In the sense that it's got one real strong standout song that has stood the test of time, at least for Seth MacFarlane's case. Um, but overall, the soundtrack is very lukewarm, not so great. Uh, they In the film itself, you've got Burning Down the House, like Dustin said, by, by uh, Talking Heads. You've got We Are the Champions by Queen. Those songs are not in the soundtrack physical itself. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like unknown forgettable artists, quote unquote. And if you're a fan of the soundtrack, I apologize. Uh, but you know, it's just my opinion. Um, the, the song though, that we're going to talk about today is one foot in front of the other, which you obviously heard in the beginning of the episode by bone symphony. And, uh, bone symphony was a very short lived like synth wave pop group. I think if they came out now, they might have a bigger kind of following, They remind Mm -hmm. me a little bit of Sparks. Uh, Sparks was a really cool Mm. 80s synth band. Uh, Very, very like kind of underground. They had a song in Valley Girl.
1: Johnny, are you queer, boy?
0: Their song was Angst in My Pants. Okay. Angst in My Pants. Yeah. (laughs) Great song. Angst in my pants. Uh, I only know that because of when I worked at Tower Records, one of the the guys in the warehouse was a huge uh Sparks fan. And he would play Sparks all the time. And I'm like, who is this? He's like, Sparks? You never heard of Sparks? Come on. You never heard of Sparks, you son of like rich. Yeah, it was Kirk Douglas, actually. Uh anyways, Bone Symphony, uh One Hit Wonder, and that one of the kind of unique things about the band was everybody in the band played synthesizer keyboards, everybody, everybody,
1: the three dudes, everybody, the three dudes,
0: but, uh, the song everybody. one foot in front of the other was in, uh, obviously it was in the montage scene when they're, when they're cleaning up their, their, their new house. Um, but it was in Ooh. Ted two, which I never Blow saw That dust. No, that, nor that I need to hear that. See that movie. Um, and it was in an episode of Family Guy and New Girl. Right. But
1: but again, those are both Seth McFarland at the, you know, the and their and their nods at they're, they're nerds nods. They're not it's, Yeah, it's not which like is somebody cool. was independently using that song. No,
0: right. no, no, randomly. no, no, yeah. no. No. And and it's a fun song.
1: Here's a question I just thought of to pose to you as I plosive my plosives. Um do you feel like you personally, personally, are you more partial to liking a song if it's part of a, of a montage?
0: That's a great question. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so.
1: Because I, I'm, I'm just thinking about like every song we've ever covered. And I think for the most part, they're montage songs, which is weird, you know, which makes sense in the sense of like songs that are driving and they're going to advance time in a short amount of time on the screen, then of course, right, you're going to shoot through, and there's a certain rhythm. So they're, so it's good, the movie's going to be kind of cut to that. But like, you know, even going back to the beginning with, with, um, with two hearts, you know, like, yeah. like you, they're on the ATVs and it's going. And then so um, it's just an interesting thought that occurred to me right now.
0: That's a really good thought. That's like, a really good point. We like montage songs. I think, songs. Overall, I think yeah. overall, montage songs are what do it for us. I mean, we love our montage Blood Brother compilations. Um, yeah. But, uh, you uh, know, yeah. there, there's been a, a short handful of movies uh, that we say overall the soundtrack is great. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I think yeah. uh, the reason why we like these songs is because it it doesn't connect with a specific scene. It it connects with a specific theme. And I think it's the theme that draws us in and that we connect with. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if we went through this, would be a, this would be a project. But I'm just like, I'm like Legend of Billy Jean, Invincible. Okay, sort of, sort of. But it comes at different moments. Uh, you know, Quicksilver maybe not movie. so much because because lightning lightning is just during the race, right?
0: Yeah, I you think know, more. So. Yeah, I think you're right. More often than not, we in this case. I think this song stands out because the montage makes it so much fun. Um, yeah, you know, in a movie like Rock Until you, the song like Rock Until You Drop from from Monster Squad is is certainly the case because that that song. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. If you keep that song on its own for just one specific scene, it's not going to play the same. It has right. to be a part of a montage. It has so, to yeah. be a part.
1: Yeah. Mind Over Matter, Summer School, part of a montage. Show me totally. how it works. Not part of a montage. Show me how it works. But. You know there's still an action that's happening so
0: I, I think too um with something like show me how it works quicks over lightning those are used in scenes that are like really pushing you to the to the limit
1: take it to the limit scarface montage
0: <laughs> i forgot to mention um uh in revenge of the nerds um michael jackson's thriller is in there as well so yeah I mean, that's another song that you're... (laughs) Gee, I wonder why that didn't wind up in the soundtrack because it probably cost a fortune. But yeah, I I don't know. I think overall, like, Revenge of the Nerds is a movie I will happily watch again and show Bodie when he's like 18.
1: Bodie will be done with the 80s by the time he's 18. He'll be like, Dad, it's all about the 50s. You're like, what? What? It's all about doo-wop, Dad.
0: Back in time. Let's talk some 1984 fun facts. Fun facts. Love it. So, so I mean, this is going to be pretty obvious. And we might have even talked about it in a previous episode. I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, But in 1984, the PG-13 rating was born in 1984. Red Dawn. Yeah. And Red Dawn was that movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the first...
1: Sorry, did I just did I just spoil what you were going to say? No, 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 because these are oh, not,
0: okay. you know... This is not What Does Dustin Know? Okay. We're going to, like right, I said, right. we're going to do a special What Does Dustin Know for yes. Revenge of the Nerds only, so... Is Red um, Dawn yeah. one of the answers? Okay. <laughs> no, it's not. That would be really great. <laughs> um, right. I, like that. I didn't bring this up. I haven't brought this up in a previous episode. January 27th, 1984. Michael Jackson suffered second degree burns to his scalp oh, during the filming pe- of a Pepsi, Pepsi commercial. Yep. Of
1: course. Of course, that infamous.
0: Was infamous and kind of set the tone for more odd things to happen to the pop star.
1: Right, because that was I feel like somehow his vitiligo was like uh, like attached to that or something, like there was some reason like I oh then like I did Feel like they used this, to say that that
0: was the reason why he had that vitiligo.
1: He was like bleaching his skin, and then he bleached it all of his skin, and he's like, "Cause I got the vitiligo." Or like, "But huh?" Yep. Um, yep. Like you don't look at all the way you looked, Mister Jackson. <laughs>
0: um. Okay. Last fun fact of 1984 that I will share, and it is uh, very. Personal to me, uh, it's a wrestling one. Of course. 1984 was the first, first annual uh, world-class championship wrestling, Parade of Champions, the David Von Erich tribute. Um, It was a pay-per-view. Von Erichs, yes. It was the first, the first one, though. David Von Erich was supposed to be the next big thing in wrestling. He was going to take on Ric Flair. He was going to win the title. He was going to be the babyface world champ. Didn't happen. He died in Japan uh, of a somewhat mysterious death, mm-hmm. uh, and the the family. Yes, it was marketing making money off his death, but also he was in Texas. The Von Erichs could do no wrong, and his little brother Kerry, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. his little brother Kerry, who was better looking, more kind of uh, Adonis looking in a Greek god sense. He, he took on Nature Boy Ric Flair and beat Nature Boy Ric Flair. But the pressure wow. that he was under wow. and, and for him to be the next big thing was too much for Kerry <sighs> yeah. to take on. Anyways, it's the beginning of a very tragic story. So 1984 oh, was the beginning of the Von Erichs kind of erosion, if you will. Yeah. So for those wrestling fans out there, you know what I'm talking about? For those of you that are not wrestling fans, yeah. look it up. It's compelling. Yeah.
1: You also can't see, no one can see that Zach is is cry, He's full on crying right now. Just the tears <laughs> are rolling down his chin. Um, this meant no, a lot no. to him. And I just want to further emphasize
0: that. Yeah, that's all I got.
1: Well, those were great. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, I think, uh, I think as our most mainstream movie. Oh, by the way, do we know offhand how much this movie made at the box office? Like I know opening, like I I know like it had like a big opening weekend. It was like, it had millions, but I think like universally across, you know, all theaters, all rentals. I mean, I think this, this, this movie's made a lot of money and I think more money than any other movie we've talked about. This is uh, telling me $60.5 million, including rentals. I don't know what that means, but for a budget of, that uh, was 8 million, um, you know, that's wow. It, it made money. Um, and hence all the sequels, because if it hadn't made money, they wouldn't have made all those pieces of shit. But um, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, apparently it made 40 million domestically.
1: Okay. Right. So globally, I mean, $60 million. So yeah. That's um, great. Yeah. Overall, a plus go see it with your uh, children and um the younger the better and um yeah man thanks everybody for listening anything we want to add or plug
0: well i was just going to say uh in two weeks we'll have jeff canoe and i can quote uh i'll paraphrase what dustin said at the end of that interview when we wrapped it up with jeff he's like wow that was maybe one of my favorite interview i've ever i've ever done that's what dustin said um and so it is a really good interview he talks about revenge and he talks about his whole career and it's a lot of fun um Very dynamic. check out patreon yes. check out our patreon page we have so much fun stuff on there it is it is the banter that you love on our show plus more there's the questions that uh from cele- two dollars six questions with celebrity guests on the show which is always entertaining you always get something when you're like oh, i did not expect that um
1: i did not expect
0: that but- the what does Dustin know is going to be for for this one is going to be really entertaining. I think I think he's going to do pretty well. Ooh, And just consider all the tiers. Go on Patreon, check it out. Um, toe dip. Even if you want to do two dollars, start out at two dollars a month, and see how see how it goes for you, and then work your way up. But for those of you that have already signed up, thank you, thank you, thank you. That support is always uh, cherished by yes. us. So thank you so much. And uh, just enjoy the content.
1: Two dollars is a fraction of a daily of a daily latte. It's an eighth of a latte. think about that yeah
0: that's that's very true. that's very true. And I will piggyback on that by giving you my nerd laugh. no it's terrible I can't do it
1: <laughs> It sounds uncomfortable. I don't know if I can do it though either no. Pretty good.
0: Good God. <laughs> put the, put the <laughs> in the basket?
1: Uh
0: hi, this is Jeff Canoe, director of some films that you've heard of, like Revenge of the Nerds, and maybe True Beverly Hills. Some of you gotcha for the more esoterics and i'm having a really good conversation with dustin and zach on two dollar late fee Uh, so check it out listen i just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win even in the 80s
1: all right thanks so much for listening we really appreciate it
0: We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.